that there are specific times that we pray this particular prayer. Baruch Atah Adonai, Mekadesh Israel Ve'azmanim. Blessed are you, King of the universe, who sanctify Israel and sanctify the time. We are in one of those times right now, and this time has a name. It's called Acharit Ayamim. I want to talk specifically about Acharit Ayamim. People think Acharit Ayamim is, is a terrible time, but it is not. First of all, let's understand what is this term Acharit Ayamim means. The term Acharit Ayamim appeared, it's a biblical word. Acharit Ayamim appeared 13 times. 13 times in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, we see this term Acharit Ayamim mentioned. Okay? Acharit Ayamim comes from the word Acher or Achar. Achar means after. Literally, Acharit means the end. And when you look at the Bible in Aramaic, every time we see this term, the last days uh, mentioned, it's literally translated to this word, the end. Well, the end of what? Is that mean that the world coming to an end and everything stopped? No, it is an end of a season. It is an end of a chapter. We've been talking about the Geulah, the redemption, as the end. Okay? But it's really the end of a chapter. It's not the end of everything. Just the end of a chapter. Now when we think about Acharit Ayamim, we think, wow, this is something very, very negative. But it is not. It is the most wonderful time in human history. You and I living today in the most wonderful times in human history, because in the very end of Acharit Ayamim, in the climatic end of Acharit Ayamim, we see that the Yetzer Hara, right? The evil inclination. We talked about the Zvuv this morning. God destroyed the evil inclination once and for all. That's why in the end of Sukkot, the last day of Sukkot, we, we say May next year we will be in a sukkah that made out of a skin of Leviathan. Why do we say that? Because we are expecting the end of the Geulah. Now the question is, when the Geulah started? When redemption started? Anybody want to, to take a stab? What? With Abraham, some of you pay attention. The process of redemption started with Abraham. That's first gear. Then with Moses, we got into the second gear. And then when Yeshua came, we got into the third gear. Specifically, the rabbis teach us that the day that the temple has been destroyed, it says so in tractate Rosh Hashanah, in the day of the temple was destroyed, which is 9th of Av, right? Both the first temple and the second temple destroyed on the same day on the Hebrew calendar. In the day the 9th of Av took place, the rabbi says that the Messiah has to be born. Why? The Messiah has to replace the temple according to Jewish tradition. 
So the idea here that Mashiach is greater than the temple, remember Yeshua says, this is actually engraved in Jewish thoughts. He had to substitute, replace the temple. And the rabbi said, the second that the temple has been destroyed, the final stage of Geulah had to take place. Now this last stage, if we're going from third gear to fourth gear, have a series, they have a season, there is a season there, that call Acharit Ayamim. It's the last of the last. I want you to understand where we are. The Geulah is already at the very end. We are in the Acharit Ayamim right now. And what we need to know is what we need to do in Acharit Ayamim. There are, if you read, you know, we're going to talk about the Sidur. Let me grab one. For a second. The Avat Olam Sidur that we're going to talk about later, it's an important piece of literature because it's giving us a roadmap of what we are to do in the last days. One of the prayers we pray for three times a day is called the prayer of the Amidah, the standing prayer. It's a prayer that has 19 benedictions. It's called the prayer of the 18, but it actually have 19 benedictions. And six out of the 19 benedictions has to do with this concept of redemption. One prayer, we pray for the gathering of the exile. In another prayer, we pray for the return of the Sanhedrin. In the third prayer, we pray for the return of the reestablishing the temple. The fourth one, we pray for the coming of the Messiah. And then we, we pray for the temple work to continue. And then ultimately we pray for the Shekinah to coming back to Zion. And then we also pray for the horn of the salvation. All of those things are wonderful things that is about to be fulfilled, I believe, in our lifetime. Now, it's important for us, Lord Yeshua said, nobody knows the exact season and the time, but we can see the roadworks and the signs that they are showing in front of us. What I want to do with you briefly this afternoon is show you some things that are happening right now in the land of Israel that you might or might not be aware of. As I told you, the destruction of the temple took place on 9th of Av. In 9th of Av is a very important day on the Jewish calendar. It's a day where first temple been destroyed, second temple been destroyed. In the last two years, Supernatural events started to happen in Israel on the 9th of Av. Does anybody know what happened in Israel on the 9th of Av? Oh, not earthquake yet. Let's see what happened on the 9th of Av. No, we're not playing lottery. Actually, the very first thing that happened on the 9th of Av in Israel, foxes appeared on the Temple Mount. First of all, there are no foxes in Israel. 
when the foxes appeared in Israel, the rabbis declared that the coming of the Messiah is near, is right upon us. The passage that the rabbis quoted is about this destruction. It's come from the book of Lamentation, chapter 5. And it, said, it says, Because of a Mount Zion which lie desolate, jackals prowls over it. Jackals is wolf, uh, foxes. The word here in Hebrew is foxes, shual. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You throne in those through the age. Pay attention to the season. The day that the fox appear in Israel is on the ninth of Av. We need to look at what happened with God's calendar and what is God doing in those exact days. And then he says, why have you forgotten us utterly, forsaken us all the time? Take us back, O oh Lord, to yourself and let us come back. Renew our days as the days of Lord. We sing it every Shabbat in the end of the Etz Chaim. Chadesh, Chadesh Yameinu, Chadesh Yameinu, are you hearing what I'm telling you? This is coming from the passage that talk about the fox. And when the fox appear, the rabbis of Israel, the highest authority in Israel, issue a statement when they declare that the Messiah return is imminent. It absolutely is imminent. And it's happening in the day where Jewish people go to the Western Wall and they're standing there and they are praying. And they're seeking the Lord and they say, God, return. And here in this, in this text it says, You are enthroned forever. Who is enthroned forever? The Messiah of Israel. Let's go back. One year. Listen to what the rabbi. Can I quote the chief rabbi of Israel? Listen to the statement that he released. He says. In a second I will quote him. I want to show you one more event and then I want to quote him. The next thing that happened or the first thing that happened. He's on the 9th of Av. There were two events happening in Israel. We had the largest gay and lesbian demonstration that ever took place in Israel. Half a million people. Half a million people out of six million. Do the math. This is like 10% of the population. Can you imagine a demonstration in America where 30 million people will show up? That's the ratio. And what day did they chose to do? The demonstration? Ninth of Av. In the ninth of Av is the day that they chosen to do the demonstration. And while the demonstration is taking place, in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem, people are mourning for the Messiah to return, to come. And while they're praying, what happened? Anybody know what happened? 
a giant stone from the original stones that have not been moved for 2,000 years. Those are stones that going back to Yeshua time fell from the western wall. And I'm not talking about a tiny wall, a tiny stone. I am talking about one of the two-ton stone. That's about 5,000 pounds. And when this took place, the rabbis of Israel opening to Song of Songs. In a minute, we're going to look at word of prophecy that you probably never seen in Song of Songs. And they said, the Messiah is the one who removed the stone. And he is about to reveal himself. It was so creepy, the video. It's like somebody took a fist and punched through the western wall. Wait, it didn't end there. When the stone was removed, okay, what came out of the stone? A giant snake. The people panicked. What was the name of the snake? No, we're not playing lottery, but close. <laughs> the name of the snake is Zaman. The Zaman means rat. The rat. W-R-A-T-H-A-T-H. And the rabbis in your statement say, this is the season that God is about to pour His rat upon the nations and upon Israel. There are two interpretations to this. This is amazing. The name of the serpent that appeared is the Zaman, the breath of the Paamonim. Paamonim is the bells. The bells of wrath. Write yourself and you know. The bells of wrath. Now here's the amazing thing. If you take the name of the serpent, Zaman, and you look at the letters, what do you have? You have Zain, Mem, Nun, and Ain. What is Zaman? Zman is what? Time. What is Ayn in Gematria? 70. The time of the 70 nations to gather against Jerusalem. This is what the rabbis of Israel issue. They issue a statement, and the statement said the Zaman, the time of the 70, to refer to Gog and Magog, who is about to come against Israel. They said the Messiah is about to reveal himself, and Gog and Magog is about to take place. How many of you are feeling a little bit eerie this morning? Go with me for a moment. Go with me for a moment. 
to Song of Songs. Yes, we're going to actually do something novel. We're going to open our Bibles. Go. Does somebody can let me bow open it to Song of Songs? And open it, please, to uh, Song of Songs. Give it to me in English. Thank you. Can I borrow somebody Bible, please? <laughs> Thank you, brother. I loved your sermon this morning. You're a good man. There you go. Can I have it? But why you give it to me in Isaiah? Brother, I don't know which version of your Bible this is. Get me to Song of Songs. Actually, brother, do, do me a, you have a nice voice. Why don't you come up here? What's your name? Otis. Otis. Yes, sir. You're going to help me. Okay. I need you. You're too late. I have Otis. <laughs> I don't need you. I got Otis. <laughs> I don't need you. Why do I need two Bibles? Is this going to pick Otis? Yes. Okay, Otis, you use your big voice, okay? Okay. Here we go, guys. I'm okay. You better know where Song of Songs is. <laughs> Do you need help, Otis? Well, I'm going to start praying over them. You know, Sarah. You know about Sarah. Here you go, here you go. Otis, we're going to go to Song of Songs, chapter 2. Song of Songs. Let's read there. You know what? Let's start in verse 1, the Song of Songs. Okay. 2 1. Listen to this. I am but a rose from the Sharon. Guess what? I was born in Sharon. That's where I was born. So that's been a lot to me. Okay. Just okay. a lily in the valleys. Okay, continue. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the older, the other women. Continue. Like an apple tree among the other trees in the forest is my darling among the other men. I love to sit in his shadow. His fruit is sweet to my taste. He brings me to the banquet hall. His banner over me is love. Sustain me with Raisins refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. I wish his left arm were under my, my head and his right arm around me. I warn you, daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the deer in the wilds, not to awaken or stir up love until it wants to arise. Now pay attention to verse 8. Here we go. The voice of the man I love, here he comes, bounding over the mountains, skipping over the hills. My darling is like a gazelle or young stag. Continue. There he is, standing outside our wall, looking in through the windows, peering in through the lattice. When this stone fell, 
from the western wall. The chief rabbi of Israel quoted this exact verse. And he says that this is speaking about the Messiah. He says, we know exactly why the stone had fallen from the western wall. Because somebody pushed it. And you know who pushed it? The Messiah has pushed it. Look what it says here. He says, the voice of my beloved leaping on the mountains and jumping to the hills. His voice is resemble what? A gazelle. The rabbis of Israel explained that there is a unique quality to a gazelle. A gazelle come close and then she back off. Come close and back off. And that is the nature of the Messiah. He is coming closer and then he is backing off. Now let me ask you a question. He says here, he is standing behind what? Which wall? Which wall is he talking about? That's why you have to learn Hebrew. We don't need no edge. The wall, the pink flood wall. It is not a wall. It is the wall. The Hebrew word here to the wall is the word Ktalenu. From the Hebrew word Kotel. The western wall. This is a direct prophecy to the event that I just described to you. It says that he is standing behind the Kotel. How many of you visited Israel? So if this is the Kotel, and he's standing behind the Kotel, what is on the other side of the Kotel? Huh? What is on the other side of the Kotel? What on the mount? What is on the mount? The mosques, the temple mounts, the stone of creation, Mount Moriah. And that's what exactly the text is saying. He is on the other side. And he is the one who punching the hole. So that Israel will see him. I want you to understand this is one of the most incredible prophecies in the entire Bible. And what he's doing? Mashgiach mina chalonot. He is a supervisor. People say, well, where is the Messiah? He's there! Yeshua base today is in Jerusalem. And he looked behind what? What is the last thing he said? He is looking from the lattice, right? Or something lattice. like this. Lattice. lattice. What is the word lattice? Like a square little. Try again. What is a lattice? Prison cell. Lattice is bars. He is talking about the Messiah who is punching a wall, but he is in a prison. How can the Messiah be 
in a prison. Who has imprisoned him? With it. Brother, go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's go quickly. This is very important because we are seeing prophecy, okay, revealed right in front of our eyes. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. It's just a little bit further. Two books over, okay? Uh Let's go to chapter 4. Let's go to verse 13. King Solomon speaks there. Let's listen to this. Better a youth who is poor but wise than a king who is old but foolish, no longer willing to listen to advice. True, he rose from prison to be king, yet while ruling, he became poor. This verse speaks about the Messiah according to our sages. And they say that the King is coming out from the house of the prisoner. Just as who went from the house of a prisoner house? Joseph. Remember that Joseph was in a prison cell when he went to rule over Egypt. Thank you very much. I can sit. Yeah, you can sit. You can sit. This is very, very important for all of us to understand what is being said here. The Messiah of Israel is in some sort of a prison, yet is about to break this prison cell. The text, the, the, the message this evening is how to do with this exact question. What do we need to do in the last days? He is in behind the court and he is watching Israel. So listen, let's go back to Song of Songs. And... He gave us an answer. What are we to do in the last days? You say, and my beloved says, I paraphrase it, Kumilach, get up, my bride, Israel. This is a dialogue between Israel and the Messiah. My beautiful bride, and walk to you. Where do we hear those words again? Lech, lecha. Look at the text. What is the message that the Messiah is giving to Israel here? Lech lecha. That's exactly what it says. Lechilach. He's saying to Israel, walk into the covenant. Don't forget the covenant. Israel, walk into the covenant with me. Because now, the autumn has come. The, this, the, the rain has passed. Notice what it says, the uh, budding. I don't know how it says in English. The blossoms. Now notice here that the blossom, the word blossom is in plural. It doesn't say a blossom. It's talking about blossoms. And the rabbi says it says blossoms because son of Joseph will have to come before the son of David will reveal himself. It's talking about the completion of the Geulah. Yeshua already come. Now we are ready for the season that the turtle dove will be heard in the land. And what is he said to you? Listen to this. Show your look 
raise your voice because your voice is beautiful. This is our calling in the last days. Our calling is to raise our voice. Remember this morning I talked to you about the Zvuv and the fight that they carry with each and every one of us for the Zvuv. It's interesting that the Midrash connected this to Jacob and Esau. It says that Jacob and Esau fight, something supernatural happened. When Jacob pray, Esau have to shut up. And when Esau is wicked, Yaakov, and Yaakov does not pray, Esau is taking over Yaakov. And there is this internal conflict, an internal battle that is taking place between Yaakov, his name is Israel, and Esau, flip the letter of Esau, Yeshua, but not the real Yeshua, the fake Yeshua, the Yeshua of 2,000 years of Christianity. And here, what the Messiah said to Israel, raise your voice because I, I love you, Israel. And if you raise your voice long enough, I might break through this prison cell. Israel, I want you to raise your voice. As a matter of fact, look at this. The rabbis of Israel did not end there. I know I teach you today things that are deep in the Torah, but I think you're mature enough to understand them spiritually. Judy, these things went crazy on me. I don't know what happened here. It's giving me a countdown clock. Is this is a countdown for the redemption? What is this? What is it? What is going on here? Presenter. Countdown, zero, 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 zero. What is going on here? Okay, where is my thing? Is that a name? No. No. Decoding? No. This, this. Yes. No. And? No. It's this. Why are you going to decoding the Sidhu? I want it to be on this. No, what happened? I think Mashiach come. I'm going home. The thing went blank. Yeah, run, run. You're delaying the Geula. Look at the next verse, verse 15. Nobody caught it. Song of song. 2.15, what does it say? What, uh, what's going to happen? Foxes. Do you see the foxes mentioned? Yeah. Guys, when all of this is taking place, it means that the Mashiach now asking Israel to do something. He's saying, raise your voice. I am ready to release myself from this prisoner. I punch a wall. Hey, thank you. I guess the redemption has not come yet. Look at this. What has been revealed? A serpent. A serpent of the 70 nations. You want to know who Israel is going to be fighting against? They are not fighting against Iran. They are not fighting against Syria. They are going to fight against Satan himself. It's not as coincidence that if you take the word Islam in Hebrew and you flip the letter of Islam, you get the name Satan in Hebrew. The name of Satan. It's not a coincidence. 
But look at this. What has been revealed? Look at this. This is the codes that the rabbi of Israel told us to pay attention to when the serpent occurred. Well, what has been occurred? What occurred? They sold the serpent. What is the value in Hebrew for serpent? 358. What is the value in Hebrew for the word Messiah? 358. The same Hebrew word for serpent and Messiah have the same numerical value. But if you take the number 358 and you flip it to 385, you see you just flip the 358 to 385, what is that word? Shekinah. The rabbis of Israel says the Shekinah is about to fall on Zion once in for all. Yes, we're going to have to go through those travails. But it has to do with this stone. As a matter of fact, God calling the, he say, I am the champion of your youth. You know, if you take this word, the champion of the world in Hebrew, you get the number 1,000. 1,000. Exactly. Alufoshel Olam, 1,000. And if you take the word, the temple, it's the equivalent in the Hebrew to the number 444. If you put this together, you get the number 1,444. You know what 1,444 happened equivalent to? The Shekinah never departed from the Temple Mount. Ha! What do you say about that? Yeshua is there all this time and his Shekinah has not been moved. He is there. He's just waiting to not to be concealed anymore and to reveal himself. I know it sounds to you like hocus pocus, but that is Judaism. That's the way our people are waiting and expecting the Messiah today. When the serpent revealed himself, two things happened. And we can look at that through the words of Yeshua himself. Number one, the rabbis say, Messiah return is imminent. Imminent. And a matter of fact, if you go to the temple, uh, uh, to, to the western wall, you will notice they put this verse uh, from Song of Songs, chapter 2. Verse 8 and 9, they put it in a huge sign now. We are waiting Messiah. Number two that took place is when the serpent revealed himself in the stone uh, fallen. Of course, we have to have a logical explanation with science. So the seismologic department in Israel issued a statement. I don't know how many of you know that, but Israel is on the Syrian... African bridge. They're on the bridge of Syria and Africa, which means every two to three hundred years, there has to be a major earthquake. For example, in the eighth century, there was such a great earthquake, all of the Galilee was destroyed, as we know it. You know? We are overdue to a major earthquake. And the rabbis of uh, the, the seismology department say in the next 30 years, we can expect a catastrophic 
a catastrophic earthquake in the Temple Mount. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how is Mashiach going to come? How he can establish his home in a place where we have the Al-Aqsa Mosque? In a place where we have the Dome of the Rock? How is it going to take place? I want you to think about what's going to happen next. Here is what we can expect. When, now when Yeshua went out, he was going away from the temple. His disciple came out to point out to him the temple buildings. He said, you see all of this? He responded to them. Amen, I tell you. Not one stone will be left here on top of another. Every one of them will be torn down. Let me ask you a question. Has this been fulfilled? No, it's not. It's not been fulfilled yet. But it is about to be fulfilled. Because everything has to be flattened out before Messiah comes. So one of the things we have to look for in advance is this great earthquake. Now every time you see in your Bible, especially in the book of Ezekiel, it's called the, the code word for earthquake in the Hebrew Bible is the word great noise. When you see in the Bible this term earthquake, it's equivalent to great noise. And the Bible prophesied that just before the Messiah will come, there will be a great earthquake. We are expecting a major earthquake today. As a matter of fact, this earthquake has something to do with the rapture. Do you know that? There is a real event called the rapture. And in a second... You will see this. Let's go quickly to the book of Zechariah. Where's my reader? Come up here. You go to Zechariah. Zechariah. Chapter 14. Don't do that because then oh, they, will, they, will, they will... You are the problem. I blame it on them. You are the culprit. Zechariah 14. Yes, sir. Don't delay the redemption. Here we go. No. Zechariah 14. Here we go. Go ahead. Start at one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Look. A day is coming for Adonai. Every time do you see in the text when it says a day is coming to Adonai, you know we are dealing with a prophecy that has to do with the coming of Messiah. When it says in Hebrew, Yom Bao, Yamim Baim in plural, we know that those of the day are called the end of Acharita Yamim, the last day when everything is concluded, this chapter. Go ahead. When you plunder Jerusalem, when you will, you will be divided right there within you, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem. Wait, stop there. How many of you here are from the nations? Oh, yeah, right. That means that half of you are Jewish here. That's not true. Let's try. Who is from the nations here? I better see like 90% of the hands up. I was going to say, the I'm adopted, right? Whoa, 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 that's the point. He's saying here that all the nations 
have gathered against Israel, including United States of America, by the way, because it says all the nations. Okay. So there are two possibilities. Where does it leave America? I want you to think about this. Could something catastrophic happen to America? We better start to pray for America. You better pray that nobody will come into this White House office who will turn his back to Israel and don't think it cannot happen. It's plotting to be happening. I am not a big fan of Donald Trump personality and the way he go about his business, his personal affair. But one thing I know, he's not selling Israel. Amen. And that's a good thing about him, okay? Now, here's the thing. He says, I gather all the goyim. What does it mean? It means that the fullness of the Gentiles already took, took place. Because there's definitely going to be a remnant from the Gentiles who are standing with Israel. So... That will be very interesting to see what happened. It's a time, it's a terrible, terrible time. And a matter of fact, look, look at how this time is described in the text. Here is the way it's described this day that we're reading about, about in the text. In Isaiah it says, Like a woman with a child approaching a childbirth, withering and screaming in her pangs, so are we become because of you, O Lord. It is going to be a time just like before the birth and the coming of the Messiah and women who have been in labor can probably relate much more better than us men for this time. It is a difficult time. It's the time of the birth pangs. And those times, it's called hevel because it's called hevle, the umbilical cord. Right before they're about to, to cut the umbilical cord with the coming of the Messiah. So this time is a time that maybe is such a turbulation taking place in Israel that Israel opened the border and said, hey, who wants to fight for us? And a remnant from the nations is coming to Israel to support, support Israel. It's a possibility. Okay? Continue. Ah. The city will be taken. The houses will be rifled. The women will be raped. And half the city will go into exile. So there is an invasion, right? He's talking about the pers uh, 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 an invasion of, of Yerushalayim. Now, the text tells us in Ezekiel where the invasion coming from. Where is the invasion coming from? The it's north. from the north. Now, pay attention to the news, what just took place. United States just pulled out all of their troops out of Syria. Do you know that that's also part of end-time prophecy? The fact that United States pulled... So who is in charge in Syria right now? Russia and Iran. Russia is the big brother. Iran is the little brother. Okay? They are in charge of Syria. We can expect this move, this pull out of American troops out of uh, Syria is a ground to fulfill exactly what we are talking about here. There will be an invasion of Israel from the north. And I read the news this morning. Israel uh, said, the IDF said within one year. Within one year, 
we expect a major military extensive conflict with Iran. This war, the next war, I want you to understand something, is going to be Gog and Magog. Everybody need to understand, the next war will be Gog and Magog. I am not here as a prophet, I'm telling you the signs and what the military people who don't even read the Bible telling us. It says extensive wars with ballistic missiles. Get ready. It's about to get bumpy. Continue. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then Adonai will go out and fight against those nations. Fighting as on a day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies in the east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in half from east to west to make a huge valley. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and half of it toward the south. You will flee the valley and the mountains for the valley and the mountains will reach to Atzel. Continue. continue. Okay. Atzel. Atzel. Yeah. Uh -huh. You will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Josiah, yep. king of Yehuda. Okay, continue one. Okay, then Adonai, my God, will come to you. And who is coming with Adonai? And when the saints come marching, and all the holy ones. Who are the saints? That are coming with the Messiah. Who are those? It's us. No. No. The dead. No, it is Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Abraham. It's not you. Are you the saints? The saints are the fathers of the faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh. We need to understand it. Thank you for reading this. Stay here for a moment. Okay. We need to understand what's going to happen. There's going to be, by the way, you notice here in the text, it said there's going to be in verse 5, a great noise. That word is the word of an earthquake. Here is the way the end times events are going to play out here. At least through Jewish understanding. Today we're talking about eschatology on the eyes of Judaism. And I'm going to add, of course, messianic interpretation for my own understanding. When the nations invade, they're actually being quite successful in coming into Israel. We can expect this. Okay? Right at the very end of this battle... Something supernatural going to happen. There's going to be a great earthquake in Temple Mount. He is leveling out Temple Mount. He's generating a valley. And if you look what the text says, the valley go all the way to the Great Sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea. That's roughly about 45 kilometers. Roughly about 30 miles of a valley. Now, here is what the Midrash teaches us. When this happened, 
This is very interesting. When the Messiah set his foot on Mount Olives, the time freezes. The entire world goes to slumberness. Don't ask me how it's going to happen exactly. I just want to explain to you what the Midrash teaches. The world frees. And God ingathered all the people to Jerusalem in this moment. From the four corners, the year Shofar, the world stopped. It's like a stop for a second, and it's like, ding! And they somehow raptured to Israel. That's what the Midrash actually teaches. That's when the completion of the gathering is taking place. He is getting all the scattered straight into the land of Israel. And then the nations, then you go to Revelation 7. The nations are standing there in Sukkot and they're with the lulav in their hands and all of that good stuff. But then they see the saints coming, Moses coming. That's why we see, and then they will sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Moses is going to come with Yeshua. Anybody who rejected Moses is going to say, who is this guy? No, he's not going to be there. Anybody who rejected the Torah, anybody who rejected Moses, not even going to be there. Are you following what I'm telling you that is going to be taking place here? There's going to be great darkness in these days. And look here, in verse 8, he's talking about all the way to the sea. He's talking about in verse 8, all the way to the sea. So when we're talking about this event that's called the rapture, I need to understand you something. You're not being raptured to heaven. You are being raptured to Jerusalem. And the rapture to Jerusalem is going to happen in a supernatural, supernatural way. If the rabbis are correct, you, it's going to stop time. It's going to stop time like he did, you know, when he turned back the sun. He's going to stop the time. And when you open your eyes, you're in Jerusalem. That's exciting. But notice something, the, 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 the seismologic department is right in Israel when they say there's going to be an earthquake. Has to be an earthquake because not one stone can remain standing. And a matter, oops, what happened now? What me? No. Let me give you a color on this day, a sure answer to them. Be careful that nobody lead you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of all that you will be, so you are not to be alarmed, for this must happen. But it is not yet the end. So Yeshua, in Yeshua mind, this final stage of the travail of Messiah, of the birth pain, can and have to happen. The question how many women been in labor here? Anybody been in labor for more than 24 hours? Would you appreciate if it would take like two hours? It would be nice, right? The question in the back of the believer mind is, this birth pains going to take place, but can we take one of those shots? What is it called? A pedal or whatever? Can we take a spiritual epidural shot today? 
and make it. Actually, it's happened with my wife. First, she was like, oh, no, no, epidural to me. And then she's like, epidural, epidural, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the problem was they gave her the overdosage. She was like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is not good. The blood pressure is dropping. It's like, look at me, breathe, breathe, breathe. Then I said to the, to the, to the, to the doctor, just pull the baby. I said, yeah, I have, a I have a golf match. Let me. And so he took the thing and shh, pulled the baby. He's like, oh, boy, I'm scarred for life. Thank you, Lord, for not making me a woman. That's in the Siddur. Ladies, don't read this verse. The question in the back of everybody's mind is simple. Can we make the final birth pain go quicker? Is there anything we can do? And the answer is yes. This is the really good news to you. The answer is yes. We can make those things go faster and easier and smoother. And in a Hasidic language, it's called the hamtakat adin. The taking the pill, the bitter pill, like, you know, you give the children the medicine. But hey, I have put a gummy bear with this. I sweeten it. This is exactly this principle that is called hamtakat adin. And a matter of fact, these days that coming, they're going to be very painful. Look what the rabbis, what was Yeshua actually talking about. If you want to really understand what Yeshua talking about, when talking about wars and rumors of wars, go to other writers and authors during the time of the New Testament who give us a commentary on this. And you understand something. What Yeshua is speaking about is not outside of the Jewish realm. That's why I love the Talmud. Because he's giving us an historical context of actually understanding what the heck Yeshua is even talking about. In the, in the focus of Sanhedrin 97, he says this. The sages of, uh, taught in the Barita, which is another section, with regard to the seven-year period, the sabbatical cycle during which the Messiah, son of David, comes. During the first year, the verse will be fulfilled. And I will cause it to rain upon one city and cause it not to rain upon another city. During the second year of this period, arrows of famine will be shot. Indicate that there will be famine only in a certain place. And during the third, there will be great famine. And men, women, children, the pious, the righteous, the tzaddiks, the rabbis, and the men of action will die. And the Torah is forgotten by those who study it. During the fourth year, there will be plenty, but not great plenty. During the fifth year, there will be great plenty, and they will eat and drink and rejoice, and the Torah will start to return to those who study. During the sixth year, heavenly voices will be heard. During the seventh year, the war of Gog and Magog will take place, will be waged, Involving the Jewish people. During this year, after the conclusion of the sabbatical year, the son of David will come. Yes, we will have to go through those things, but we can go through those things in a much more painless way. Look at how it's continued. Rabbi Ula said, Let the Messiah come, but after my death. <laughs> 
so that I will not see him. He said, I want to meet him, but I don't really want to. Why? Because I don't want to go through the suffering that will precede his coming. Likewise, Rabbi said, let the Messiah come, but after my death, so I will not have to see him. Rabbi Yosef said, let the Messiah come and I will be privileged to sit in the shadow of the donkey. Ask excrement, I am willing to undergo all the pain and all the disgrace associated with his arrival. Rabbi Ula represents for me today the church. Let me be raptured. Just let me have the goody, goody, goodies. Rabbah represent many of the Messianic Jewish people today. Oh, oh, I'm going to heaven. I am good. Whatever happened, happened. Rabbi Yosef represents the demeanor that you and I have to have today. You can sit your brother. I'll call upon you. You can relax. Rabbi Yosef says, oh, I am willing to sit in the shadow of the donkey. Again, what does the donkey represent? Satan. He say, I am willing to sit in Satan crap. Excuse my language. I am willing to sit in the zvuvim. If it's mean that I will undergo the pain and disgrace, but I will see the Messiah. Who are you like today? What are you willing to suffer for the coming of the Messiah? Are we willing to suffer and to see Yeshua glorious return? What are we willing to give today to see Yeshua returning? How is this Geula will come? You have to suffer today. Especially if you are not Jewish. You have to even suffer double. What do I mean by this? Let me draw with you this road map very quickly. As a matter of fact, this is next week. Torah portion. Parashat Toldot, next week. The belt of Yaakov and Esau. What does it says? But the children struggled, or you sometimes see the word quarreled. He trots it too. They run. It's come from the word ruts in her womb. And she said, If so, why do I exist? She's crying out. She went to inquire of the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Does Yaakov need Esau? Does Esau need Yaakov? Who needs more whom? Is Esau need more Yaakov or Yaakov need more Esau? How was Yaakov born? Think carefully. How was Yaakov born? He grabbed into Esau. If there is no Esau, there is no Yaakov. If there is no Christianity, Judaism cannot be in the fullness. Yaakov, his name is Israel. Esau, Ein Shin Yudva, flip the letter, Yeshua, Christianity. 
How will Geula will come? You see it, it from chapter 25 all the way to chapter 32 where Yaakov and Esau reconcile. You know who you are? You're not Yaakov. You represent the good part of Esau. And you say, what? <gasps> Esau had a good part? Actually, the rabbis teach us that Esau in potential is much greater than Yaakov. Esau's potential is greater than Yaakov if we can just remove the, again, the crap, the garbage from Esau's life. Christianity have a lot of wonderful things about it. And the most wonderful thing that Christianity have is they know about the Messiah. Don't discount your Christian brothers for that. Now if we can just dress him as the Jewish Messiah, it can become the greatest gift for the Jewish people. Indeed, we need this reconciliation. That's why I'm saying, I am as a Jewish believer, I represent Yaakov. You as a non-Jewish believer, you represent Esau today, and this reconciliation is what the world needs to see. That is the answer for this extra shot that you make the Geulah come faster. That's the fullness. And a matter of fact, look what the text says. Not me, what the text says. It says, and afterward, then his brother emerged, holding to the yield of Esau. So they named him Yaakov. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. Please understand that Yaakov cannot be born. It's a picture of being born again. Yaakov cannot be born without Esau. A Jew cannot be born again without a Christian. And therefore, there is an interdependent relationship between Yaakov and between Esau, between the Jew and between the nations. Why did he grab his heel? Look what the rabbi says on this. They say, why is his name called Yaakov? His name is called Yaakov because it states that he will grab the hill in Esau in the future. It is a prophetic picture of what's going to happen in the future where Jewish people will grab back into the Messiah of Israel. Again, the name Esau, flip the letter, is Yeshua. The nations are just a conduit to bring Israel to the Messiah. I want you to understand this. His name is Yaakov when he's, he's, he's born. Yaakov, he's grabbing to the heel. Look at this. When Yaakov born, he's grabbing the heel of Esau. His name is Yaakov, he's not Akev. His name is Yaakov. Where did he get the Yod for his name from? He got the Yod for his name. You remember what he said? He grabbed what is the text says here. He says, it says, look, look at this. And his hand is grabbing in the heel of Esau. What is the Hebrew word for hand? Yad. 
Yad is from the Hebrew word Yod, the tiniest letter. So where did Yaakov receive the Yod from? He received the word, the Yod from Esau. What does that mean? That Yaakov cannot be fully Yaakov unless he's receiving something from Esau. A Jew cannot be whole unless he receives the Yod from the name of Yeshua through the nations. That's why Paul says this in Romans 11.11. 11. He said, I said they, did they not stumble? So I said they fall, did they? May it never be. But by their false step, salvation has come to the nations to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now if their transgression lead to reach, lead riches to the world and their loss reaches to the Gentiles, then how much more will mean their fullness? Their fullness is when they receive something from Esau. And what is the, the thing they need to receive from Esau? Yeshua. But don't give the wrong Yeshua. If you give the wrong Yeshua, it's like you give somebody instead of a federal shot, you give him a shot that will kill him. And that's what has happened. Christians gave for 2,000 years a poison for the Jewish people. How do we break this? What do we have to do to break this? He says, For I do not want... You brothers and sisters to be ignorant of this mystery. Lest you be wise in your own eyes. That a partial hardening has come upon Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What is the fullness of the Gentiles mean? Very, very simple. Let me simplify it for you. You recognize who is Yeshua. And you transfer your life to be lined up with Yeshua. And what does that mean? Well, Yeshua was a Jew. He lived his life like a Jew. You don't have to become a Jew, but if you're a Gentile who called to reconcile, your life better resemble the life of Yeshua. Amen. It's pretty simple. Don't overcomplicate it. And then giving this Messiah back to Israel. You know why the Hebrew roots movement is so dangerous? Let me tell you why the Hebrew roots, two hours, all of those movements are so deadly and dangerous. They're dangerous because they don't want to give nothing back to Israel. We want Him. We love Him. But we don't have anything to give to Israel. We don't want connection to Judaism. We want the Hebrew Yeshua, not the Jewish Yeshua. Excuse me, but the scripture says salvation is of the Jews. And Jews is more than Judah. So what is this mystery that Paul's speaking about? It's very simple. His mystery goes like that. He's saying that Israel, that the Jewish people, that Jacob cannot be Jacob without the help of the lowly wicked itself and if you don't think christianity is wicked then let me tell you something go back and read the pages of history and see what was done in the name of christ to jewish people in the last two thousand years christian have no right to speak about islam 
Because they have committed much worse things than Islam. Crusaders, Inquisitions, Holocausts, all come in the name of Jesus. Okay? It is your burden today to rectify and to cleanse the name of Yeshua. Because Yaakov is not complete yet. The Jewish people are not complete yet. Look what it, we read during the month of Elul. This is from the Siddur. We read on the ninth day of Elul, during the 30 days of prayer, when a Jew feels certain void, and even if he calculates that he is not worthy, there is a commandment. This is what the, the prayer read. There is a commandment from the Torah to ask Hashem to make him full. That's one of our prayer. To make us full. The greatest void of the Jew in the world is what? We are in a spiritual exile and we don't have Messiah. Please understand today, Jewish people without Messiah, it's like a body without a spirit. But if we present a Jewish Messiah and we diminish his Jewishness, okay, then there is a problem. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are willing to take upon yourself a Jewish identity, a Jewish life? Not that you say I am a Jew, that you say that the one who lives in me is being seen by the house of Israel. How many of you are willing to do this? We, we, today I was uh, chuckling a little bit when we read the ironic benediction. We read those words from Numbers chapter 6. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai turn his face toward you and grant you what? Shalom. What is in Gematria? I talked about this this morning. In Gematria the word Shalom is equal to Esav, Yeshua. Israel will never have peace. There will never be a peace in the Middle East. Without the Prince of Peace. Everybody need to understand it. There will be no peace agreement except through Yeshua HaMashiach. Israel need Yeshua. And it's interesting because you can write the name Yeshua Isav with a Yod and without a Yod. You know if you write it with a Yod, what is equivalent to? If you write it Esav, which is clearly you, Chin, Vavain, you get David, son of Jesse. Israel needs the son of Jesse. We need him today. But it's up to you in the last day to see him return to Israel. He is the Prince of Peace. Reaching the final Geula is important. I found this to be fascinating. This has come from the Midrash talking about Esther actually. It says, God says to Israel, you weapons spoke before me. We were orphans and we don't have a father. In the future, the Redeemer that I will bring 
the, the Geula of Persia. It's talking about the book of Esther. As Esther being like a messianic figure. And also for them there will be no father and mother as it is written. He had raised Hadassah. That is Esther. His uncle daughter. And she has neither father or mother. The rabbis acknowledge that the Messiah will not have a physical biological father. But they said, if you want to understand what the Messiah looked like, we are called messianic, no? Look and none other than Esther. So remember I, where we started this discussion a little bit earlier ago? We spoke about the fact he's hiding his face and then he's revealing his face and then he's hiding his face and revealing his face and he's behind this jail cell and he's saying, I want to break out. So the Torah actually speak about this and they say that is the last straw. When we see that is happening, we know that this is the last straw. Let me see if I can pull it. Look what the Deuteronomy 31 says. Uh, maybe. Here we go. Deuteronomy 31. It says, and I will surely hide my face in that day for the evil which they shall have brought. And in that day they are turning to other gods. Now look at this turn here. He says the word hide twice in Hebrew. I will hastel hastil. I will hide, hide my face. The Hebrew text says the word hide twice before he's revealing himself. Now the second word hide is what word is it? Astir. It's come from a person's name. Esther. The clue for the coming of the Messiah in revealing himself is in none other than the book of Esther and the story of Esther. So let me ask you a question. If the key is in Esther for the redemption, what did Esther did? What did Esther did? That was so special. Anybody? What did Esther do that was so amazing that will, the rabbi said will cause God to reveal himself like, like in the time that, that the king uh, you know, forgiven Israel and, and released them. What would you say it is? What? How? How did she say? She is the Messiah, right? She is without... Without, without doubt, she is. As a matter of fact, again, look, look at the word Esther. The word Esther means in Hebrew. Esther, it's come from the word mystery. Esther means to hide. Esther means mystery. Esther means secret. She did what? What? What did she say? Before she went, what did she say before she went to the king? If I, per if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. What is that called? She was willing to lay her life for the salvation of Israel. That's called in Hebrew, Mesirut Nefesh. She was willing to lay down her life. The thing that will cause God to remove this this book to remove those things is Messi Rut Nefesh. One who willing to lay his life 
down for the salvation of the house of Israel. The last stage of Asatan that we are right now in is the stage called Hastarat Panim. He's doing everything in this last day to hide God in the world. You realize that? That's the last thing Asatan is going to do. Take God out of it. You know, I just went to see Frozen too. My boy wanted me to go. Oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, you ruined the entertainment of Disney. Let me tell you. I love Frozen 1. It was a pretty good movie and fairly clean. They took something so innocent. Anybody here saw the, the Frozen 2 already? Yeah. How much witchcraft and demonic stuff that they take and put in a simple movie. Unbelievable. A movie rated G to take it now and put in these things. Witchcraft and, uh, and sorcery and all sorts of things. Marking truly demonic things. This is the sign of the time to remove God from everything in these last days. The rabbis of Israel told us, ah, what is this time? The Astarat Panim. This is, if we have, here is what called Acharit Yamim. The last stage is Astarat Panim. The covering, covering God in the world. Before he revealed himself. So God get angry. So he's pushing through a storm. Say, hey, I'm still around. I am still here. I am about to reveal myself. He says, the son of Israel who would want to strengthen his faith during this time, okay, will have to hold in his hand two swords. Look what the rabbis tell us. Two swords, okay? And he will, and I wrote in notes for you, think about what Ephesians chapter 6 says to us. And he will remain in his faith, and that's called the double darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, we are right now in a stage that's called double darkness. That light is darkness, and darkness in darkness, and good people are going to call evil. During this time, we have to hold two swords in our, our hands. And what is these two swords going to look like? Here we go. What do you have to do to overcome this? It says, The Estelpanim that we are today in the final exile never existed in the case of the time of human history. This is the first time we're dealing with this kind of evil in human history. It represents the decline of the generation. There are no shepherds who can flock the sheep with the revelation of the Ruach HaKodesh. It is because there is no generation that is worthy as we see at the end of the Tractate Sota. There is nobody. We have to depend upon Hashem and stay and abide to his words. Rabbi Logasi concludes and he say, let me see, I don't think I put to you the conclusion of Rabbi Logasi of those things, but he said that there is no hope during this time. 
all what we can do during this time is hold on, fasten our, our seat belt, and do exactly what Eliezer did in this Torah portion. Become fanatic. Are you fanatic about God today? If you are not fanatic, you will be consumed. You know what Jeremiah said? The land of Israel in the last days will be a land that consumes its own inhabitants. It will consume you. Not because you are not a believer, because the darkness around you is so great. And you have to be strengthened today. To know that if you are strengthened and you hold on to the word of God. And you make this your business. Day in, day out, when you rise up and when you walk along the way and you lie down, you will be able to overcome it. Yes, you will. Esther had no care. Esther says, I'm willing to die. I am willing to give my own life for the salvation of the people. You're talking about being extreme. How many of you think Eliezer was willing to give his own life for the master? My question to you, what are you willing to give? It's great, you come in Shabbat, you give a couple of hours to God, you go to your week and you feel pretty good about yourself. But what are we willing to truly give for the salvation of the house of Israel? This section called Mesirut Nefesh is the ultimate action. Look what it says in the Torah. It says, it, if, if it happened to be a badness in front of you on the road, in any tree on the ground, where they either see young ones or eggs, and the hen sitting on the young or the eggs, you are not to take the hen with the young. You must certainly let the hen go. But the young you may take for yourself, so that it will be well with you. What a messed up mitzvah that is. You see a nest, take the, the nestling but leave the mommy alone? Is God a brutal God? Why is He giving us such an horrible mitzvah? Why does the Torah seem so violent? Here is the answer. Are you ready? This is a picture of the kingdom of God. What those of you who have children here, what will happen if your kid is missing? And now you will go crazy. Right? Have you ever lost your kid? Okay, you're all responsible parents. Nobody here ever lost a child. We all lost a child before. And we go crazy. The mother, please understand that the mother here is the percentage of God. The nestling is the representing us. Okay, these are representing us. And there are certain actions that we can take to awaken the mother. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 32, that God is like a soaring eagle looking down. He is like this great, great bird. So if you look at this word here, mother in Hebrew, it's interesting. The word mother in Hebrew is an acronym for the word ima, M. Aaron, Aleph, Mem, Moshe. Aleph, Aaron, Mem, Moshe. A-M, Ima. Aleph, Esther, Mem, Mordecai. M, Aleph, Elijah, Mem, Messiah. This is all a prophetic picture. And think about all of those cases. Esther and Mordecai working together willing to lay down their life for the salvation of the people. 
Aaron and Moshe, Moshe willing to sit and say, blot me out. God, kill me. Just don't kill them. Willing to lay his life. And ultimately, Eliyahu, Elijah, Yohanan, and Messiah, who lay his life for you and I. Those are the actions who are promoting heavens. And you and I have to take the same actions to promote the heavens. So remember here in the case of Yaakov, he grabbed the heel. He grabbed the, the, the heel of Esau. Remember that? Are you with me? I know, there's a lot of theology. I told you, we're going to move very, very quick today. I don't have time to teach you everything. Come to the yeshiva, learn everything. Okay? This is a, just a crash course in Jewish eschatology, just a little bit. Now, the word in Hebrew for heal, ikuv, is also related to the word uh, heal. It's also related to the word ikuv, which means delay. So when my says, says, said, I will believe in a perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah, I will await for him even if he will be delayed. Well, Yeshua has been delayed for 2,000 years. So the question becomes, what are we to do? This is the last question of this, of this segment before we go into the Sidur. What, how do we overcome the delay in the coming of the Messiah? What are we to do? And the answer find in one word that I want you to think about. Shuvu. Come back. Return. Start your journey of returning today. Today is the season to do it. What does it mean to shuv? The, literally the word shuv, shuva, God mentioned this more and more many, many, many times in the text, mean return of somebody or someone or some group of people to the original place of, of, of being, of existence. Please understand something that you're returning right now. As you're returning back to the root of your faith, as you're returning back to the source, in essence, you, you are preparing the world to overcome the delay. Imagine what has happened if thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe even millions of Christians return back to the source. Yeshua would surely return quickly. That's why he has given you a tool to do that. And look what it says. In the new covenant scripture. For you were called to this. Because Messiah also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. So that you might, that you might follow in his footsteps. What is this thing that he left you? What is this thing that the Messiah left you? Anybody? What did he leave you with? The Ruach HaKodesh. What is the goal of the Ruach HaKodesh? To make glitter coming down from heaven or to teach you to speak in tongues that nobody will understand that make you sound like a barking dog? I'm serious. I'm not insulting anybody who speaks in tongues. But what is the job of the Holy Spirit? To walk in His commandments. To walk in his footsteps. Today your job is to walk in his footsteps. But you need to identify his footsteps. The Ruach HaKodesh is the tool who allow you to identify his footsteps. 
couple months ago, we, we decided to do something adventurous. We went up to the mountains. We went to Washington State. Good time. We went on the trail called the Bear Trail. And my wife told me, I smell, I smell bears. I said, that is a misnomer. There is no bears here. It's called the Bear Trail. There are no bears. And then she starts tracking footsteps. And she tracked them, you know. She says, there is bear. I said, you're silly. There's no bear, but that's okay. We don't have water. We, don't, we ran out of cell phones. So we're like in the middle of nowhere. And I said, there are no bears. Don't worry about it. She said, there are, because I saw the tracks. I said, no, there aren't. Guess what show up right in front of me? A giant black bear and I was walking straight into it without seeing it like from me to Lance that I didn't see him even if we don't learn to see the footsteps of the Messiah today we wouldn't even recognize him when he come the footsteps represent the marks that help us to probably not mix up with other footsteps there were marks of deer, there was marks of dogs, there were human. You receive the Holy Spirit so that you will know what footsteps to follow. Yes. Don't fall to any shtuyot. Oh, yeah, it's on YouTube. It must be great because Rabbi Google told me so. Let me tell you, 99% of stuff for the Torah teachers on YouTube and Google and all of this stuff is, is nonsense. A five-year-old can put something on YouTube. It doesn't make it right. And all the problem with the Hebrew roots teachers that call themselves Torah teachers is people who never even raised in Judaism, who know nothing about Judaism. Now they're Torah masters? What made them Torah masters? What did you learn? What? Facebook. Rabbi Facebook is powerful rabbi. <laughs> so when Yeshua speak here about following in his footsteps, I will leave you with this. This is your job in the last days. Right now. We talk a little bit about the end. We're talking about the about Hastarat Panim. Here is where I believe that we have to focus on right now in this walk. There are three sets of footsteps that we have to focus on as Messianic believers. Number one, the footsteps of Hashem. Number two, the footsteps of Israel. And number three is the footstep of Mashiach. Here is the problem. If you separate one of those footsteps, the footsteps is not authentic. If somebody said to you, oh, yeah, I don't want to follow Judaism because I don't need Judaism, but I want Mashiach, then you know it's the wrong footsteps. That's called Hebrew roots, ladies and gentlemen. It's an incomplete footsteps that will lead you away. The footstep as a whole is the footsteps of God, is the footstep of Israel, and is the footstep of the Mashiach. Think about this. If you take the name of God, the actual complete name of God, Yod, hey, I will not say the rest of it. If you take the first three letters in the name of God, Yod, hey, Vav, what is that? How do you say Jew, Yehudi? Yod, hey, Vav. 
A person who follow the name of the follow God is going to be connected with the Jewish people. Period. What about Yeshua? Yud for the name of his father. You Yeshua. Yeshua. The Lord will save, not salvation. That's another mistake people who don't know Hebrew say. Yeshua means salvation. No. Yeshua means the Lord will save. Yah for his name. Shua. What he will do? The Lord will save. Again, in the name you see, the footstep of Mashiach, the footstep of Israel and the footstep of Hashem is one in the same. Be very careful not to fall to the Hebrew root. You will follow the wrong tracks. I am telling you this today from experience of what's happening in the world. It's another form of anti-Semitism. How do you identify the right footsteps? It's very, very similar. Two ways. Number one, it has to be done through the covenants of Israel. Okay? Covenantial relationship is God language. God language is covenant. So we have an Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, and new covenants. All those covenants as we look earlier today from Rabbi Cook is one covenant. Don't look at them as a separate covenant. Oh, well, what kind of believer I am? Uh, I am a new covenant believer. Oh, really? Go read Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 is not a covenant for the Gentiles. It's a covenant for Israel. Well, I given Israel a new covenant, not to the church. Covenants is the key. Does a Gentile need to learn about Torah? Sure they do, because they need to connect to the covenants to identify the real Yeshua. Without Torah, you cannot get to the real Yeshua. I'm sorry. It's impossible. It's virtually impossible. So although the relationship between a Gentile to the Torah is not the same as the relationship between a Jew and the, the, the Torah, in the end of the day, it should lead us to the same place, to lead us to the redemption and to the Geulah. And for the fact, Messiah is about to break through the lattice and return back home. Okay? So, it's important to examine through the Ruach HaKodesh the authenticity of the tracks. Don't lose the mind of what these tracks should look like. Okay? They have the name of Israel. Remember long ago, they used to say, if you have a brick and it doesn't say an Acme brick, on it, it's not an authentic brick. It has to say Israel. It's have to say Jewish. Yes, it does. Okay? And people say to me all the time, well, um, you know, Israel, uh, they don't have Messiah, therefore I cannot go with Israel. I want to remind you what Rav Shaul says in Romans chapter 3. He says that what advantage there is to the Jew. He said, in much in every way, because the Jew has given the authority to interpret the oracles of God. The oracles of God have been given to Israel. So it's true, Israel could be wrong, but we'd rather be wrong together. Okay, you follow and waiting for Messiah to correct us. He will correct us, okay? So be very careful to remain connected to the house of Israel and not to go to weird stuff. I'm talking to you for a second, Gentiles here in the crowd. Stay close to the Jewish people, okay? And of course, with the Messiah being in the center. Anybody have any questions? Any question? Anybody want to ask me a question? Can I go sit down? Yeah, you can sit down. Are there any questions?
Any question? Because we have our last segment, which is the most important segment of this evening. How do we unite Israel and Messiah? And we're going to talk about the Sidhu. How would you connect Israel and Messiah together as Messianic believers? That's coming in about 10 minutes as we are decoding the Sidhu. But I'll take a few questions. Yes, sister. Yeah, yeah, in one second. In one second, I, I, I this, uh, yeah. Yes. I'm sorry? Oh, the two swords have to be the Word of God. Okay, it has to be in the Word of God. And walking with the Word. The walking, the halacha. Remember what it says in Song, uh, Song of Songs. Lechilach, walk, walk. Entering to continue entering to the covenant. Walking and living a covenantial life. Mm -hmm. Any other? Yes. Lead us to the Geula. Geula means the redemption. In S. Redemption, geulah mean, mean uh, redemption. So, in essence, your fullness should lead others around you, and specifically Israel, to be redeemed. And that's the problem, the exact problem with many of the Hebrew Roots movement. It's about them. It's not about Israel's salvation. It has to be about Israel's salvation. Yes. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Very good. Any other questions? Yes. Rabbi, um, you said that if we do not partly to prepare the Shabbat table, then we will not participate in the Shabbat meal. Yes. Can you expound on that a little bit? So, so again, Israel is not whole today. Israel is not complete today. I'm, I'm coming back to the Torah portion from this morning. If the wedding between Yitzchak and Rivka doesn't take place, the Geulah does not come. Now God will, either way, the, the Geulah will come. Remember what he said. He says when Israel, it says in 1998, that if Israel is worthy, if Israel is worthy, they will receive Ben David. But if they're not worthy, they're going to have to first receive Ben Yosef. God will eventually will bring the Geulah. It might be a much longer and much more painful process. But this, this Geulah, remember, we're in the year right now, 5780. So when you read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You'll see that the word Aleph, the letter Aleph mentioned six times. Okay? And remember, Aleph is equal to the word Aleph, thousand. That's why Messiah has to come by the year 6,000. He has to come by the year 6,000. For the year 5780. So the worst case scenario, this is the absolutely worst case scenario, we have 220 years to go, okay, before the coming of Messiah. Now, this time, this last thousand years, the Shabbat, that's why it's called the Shabbat, the last, the last 6,000, the last thousand years, okay, it's a, a, a years that also call in, a, in the scripture, to Jewish thought, the giving, the reward. And you have to understand something. God will recompense and give every person according to his deed. There will be judgment. And there will be even judgment upon the believers, it says in Romans. So even the believers will be judged, which is a scary thought to many of you in the room right now. But it's true. Even the believers are going to be standing judgment. So the, 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 the question is for each one of us is what do we do to prepare for the Geulah? To prepare Israel's salvation. What, what do we do to set uh, Israel 
before that. So, you know, there's an interesting passage in the book of Numbers when Israel have to pass through Esau, through Edom, remember? And, and they come to Edom and, and Moses says, please, we're your brother. Let us pass. We will not go to the left or to the right and listen to the language of Moses. He said, let us go through the highway of the king. And what Esau said, Esau said, Edom says, not only I will not tell you to pass, I will kill you. If you try to go through it, I will kill you. And that's what I am talking about. There are those today who put stumbling before Israel meeting Messiah. And sadly, Messianic Judaism, to me, we as Messianic Jews put a stumbling before Israel meeting Messiah. Messianic Judaism does not resemble anything Jewish. That's my, my uh, uh, a thesis. And I have a lot of data points. I've been ministering in 52 countries. I've been in hundreds of communities. It's morphed. We are Christian mixed with Judaism. And that's to me a stumbling block. A big stumbling We have to make a decision. We're either going to be a Jewish movement or we're not. We, 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 the Hebrew roots thing will not I, I say it like this a Yeshua without Moses is not a Yeshua or a Messiah that Israel will never accept there's no way and everybody who tried to take a shortcut around the Torah and for me also I will say it and expand it I know it's a big statement but those who want to know what I mean around the oral Torah those who take a position against oral Torah, also, they, they don't even understand what kind of harm they're causing for uh, Yeshua, for our message of bringing uh, Israel to salvation. That's why what we're about to talk about, this last segment called the decoding of the Siddur, is going to be so important. We're going to really be challenged here in a minute. I don't know. Did, did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, oh, hamtakata din. Hamtakata din. Hamtaka comes from the word sweet, matok. Sweet din means judgment. So it's, it's hamtakata means mean shortening the travails of the Messiah. And I want everybody to understand that yes, it's gloom and doom, but this last period that is going to be very painful with teshuva, with repentance, and with an awakening in the body of Messiah, we can shorten this duration. And that's exactly what we want. Right, exactly. And that's why you see him, he says, if the women are pregnant during this time. He, why did he say not when, if? Because there's a possibility, it's depending upon our action. The geula will happen in one way or in another. But the way it will come about, the durations and all of that, that is depending if we will awakening, like I talk about the mother, you know, the nestling. What do we do to awaken God? What do we do? That's why, you know, it says in Isaiah chapter 22, Isaiah said, go on the rooftop and shout to the heavens. We can awaken heavens. We, we, we can, but it's going to take a power, a, a strong. That's yeah, like, you know, we did now this worldwide Shacharit event where we invite thousands upon thousands of people together to pray in unity and power to call upon God. 
thousand. There is a power in that. You, you, you understand what I mean? So we do need to do this more in power. But it also has to be in a way that Israel can hear that and understand. That's why it's called the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Right, and Zephaniah 39 says that. He said, I will flip them to our people of clear language. So now we have to prepare, coming back to Shana's question, what does it mean? We need to prepare to, link, to talk this language, and this language is a Jewish language. Do you speak Jewish? Do you like a filter fish? Do you eat smoked salmon? You know, you like Chinese food in Christmas, whatever they do, you know. No, but this is not the things that I'm talking about. Do you have a Jewish outlook? on even the way that you look at end times. And I can tell you this, the church views of the end times is just off. Very, very off. Because it diminishes Israel. Yes? Okay. What, what is it? Can, can you, do you mind reading it? Uh, do you mind uh, reading it loud? I, 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 okay, wait, wait. Can, can you come? Come up so people can hear actually also in the, uh, maybe you can read it loudly so everybody can hear, hear the question. I don't know if they, they ask me to make it for the, go ahead. Are we up? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can, I think so. they, they can hear you. No, they can't hear me. They cannot hear, hear you? Hello. 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 There we go. Um, First Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, mm -hmm. with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Beautiful. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Mm -hmm. Then we who are alive, who are left, mm -hmm. will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in Beautiful. the air. I, so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And where are you exactly? First um, Thessalonians. But where are you exactly? Say where? Where are you exactly? You are caught with the Lord where? In the air. Where are you going? You stand there? What do you do? Have a Nagila? No. That's what I'm asking. They're actually what you said. So again, remember what we talk about. There's an earthquake that's going to take place. And the rabbis explained to us that as the earthquake takes place, we are actually get caught in the air with him. That's exactly what happened. And he brings it to Israel. Okay? He bring so, it. He so bring so well, get caught in the air. You go like this. And you come to Israel. Exactly. That's your spiritual aliyah. And I will even support it with a scripture. You look at Revelation chapter 7. He says, behold, we are oh, we're opening our eyes and we're in Jerusalem. How did we get there? Because the rapture took place. And we all own in our hands a palm bridge. Why? It's Sukkot. It's the Feast of Tabernacle. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, so we all in our hands, Sukkot and uh, Lulav, excuse me, uh, Lulav in our hands, it's not so. And we wear white kittens. How did the Gentiles know what to do with the, with the Lulav? Because they have been engrafted in. They've been practicing. They come to Bet Adonai and they wave the Lulav in Sukkot. <laughs> the question, do you know how to, to shake the Lulav? Do, do I know how to? Yeah? Yes. Okay, yeah? really? Yeah. Tell me, what the blessing? Well, now I'll top my head. No, you're not ready. You're not ready. You say you don't have to shake it, but you don't. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not putting you on the spot. But this is the problem with non-Jews who are coming. They want, but they're not really ready yet. 
I'm, not, I'm using you as an example not to put you in a bad spot. But that is exactly the problem. The Gentiles have to be ready to say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshanu Bemitzvotav, Lens? No! I want my student to tell me. Al? You said that already. No? You're not ready, Lance. You just graduated, but you're not ready for this. Vetsivanu al netilat lulav. Almost, you're almost ready. But you see, that's the reality because it's going to happen. Because Israel is going to have to accept him as the Messiah. Okay? Israel has to say, Baruch Hashem Adonai, and, and wave the lulav to make the bracha. The way all of Israel will make the bracha today. Every day today, we gather the etrog, the lulav, adas the arava. We shake it and we say, come Messiah, come. We call upon it. That's exactly what we see in Revelation chapter 7. So to answer your question, it is truly going to happen. There's no contradiction whatsoever. Here is the problem. The way Christians interpret it, they caught him with him in heaven. And they stay in heaven and say, bye-bye Israel. But they don't understand. It take them in heaven. It's like uh, putting them in a front row. Have you ever went to a movie? And you come with your popcorn to the front row? Look, he's bringing them to Jerusalem. It says in Revelation chapter 7. He put them in the front row. And he said to the Gentile, watch. Now I'm going to show you how I'm going to deal with the nations who mis messed with Israel. And now Gentiles also watch how I'm going to welcome Israel. Okay? And then wedding take place between Israel and Messiah. They are, they are, they are, it says there, there will be a great uh, weeping. Will they look the one of their fields and they will mourn for him. So Israel mourning and the, the, the nation eating popcorn. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. Actually, what's going to happen? The nations there are also invited to the wedding. The nations also invited to the wedding. So God is bringing them to Israel to partake part of the wedding. The so wedding. That, so that's the marriage supper of the Lord. Exactly. That is exactly. It's happening in Jerusalem. It doesn't happen in heaven. And that's why he invite Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Elijah. They all are coming. They're all witnesses. They're all part of this worship band. And that's why it says that you will be working with a sign on your hand. What is a sign? Sign in Hebrew is the Hebrew word tough. Tough is for the word Torah. The rabbi, we see that in Midrashic literature, that there will be a supernatural forehead, a letter on our forehead that represent who we are. It's will be the letter tough, Torah. Does that answer your question? Ah, that's a good question. Okay. I think it's time for us to say also goodbye to the Shabbat. I think it's just about time to say goodbye to the, to the Shabbat. So is, is this uh, session was good for you? Yeah. Oh, good. Let's pray. Let's pray. And I will give you five minutes to stretch and we will have our final session that will start. I'll give you five minutes to go to the restroom, run to the restroom, and then uh, we will meet right here together to do Havdalah. And then uh, whoever wants to get the resource after Havdalah can get resources. And then we will do the decoding of the Sidur. And I hope it will be a great blessing to you, those who are brave enough to stay for one last session. Abba Avinu Thank you that we are right now in a Harita Yamim. 
Thank you that each and every one of us can be part of this historic tikkun, historic preparation and ushering the coming of the Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that as we've seen these signs like foxes and the serpent that, that symbolize the coming of the 70 nations against Israel, Lord, we are not afraid. We are not afraid. So we stand today with the sword, with two swords, the double swords of Adonai. Thank you that you equip each one of us with the arm, with the shield, and with the sword to combat the things that are ahead in righteousness. Thank you, Abba, that you have given us the Ruach HaKodesh to follow the footsteps the heels of the Messiah and the heels of Israel. Give us a greater revelation from the Ruach HaKodesh so we will be able to discern in the last days what is of you, God, and what is from the enemy of Israel. We ask this in the precious name of our Messiah. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. God bless you.